welcome to the Fit to Talk podcast. Thank you for joining us as we bring you meaningful, helpful, and accurate information. And remind you that fitness doesn't have to be boring. Let's do this thing. Oh, yeah. Right now, you're listening to a guest episode during which we discuss the realities of a career in the performing arts with people who are fit to talk about it. It's right there in the name. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Mm. Uh, and if you like what we do, please leave us a review or on Spotify, click that follow button. And we have an incredible guest for you today. Yes, we do. So today's guest is an actor and headshot photographer. His acting credits include Wicked, Les Mis, The Book of Mormon, and a personal favourite of mine, Dogfight. Great show. Uh, his headshots can be seen across the West End and UK tours and internationally. He's also highly skilled at stage combat and was the fight captain in Name Is. So I've locked away our podcast studio weapons uh-huh. just to be on the safe side. Mm. It's the brilliant Nick Corey. How are you doing, guys? Yes. <laughs> really good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I live my best life. Ah, oh, that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, and that's we're it. Done. <laughs> we're done. Uh, no shows that I recognise on that CV. No, no, no. No, it's been a very uh, low scale affair. Yeah, understated. Yeah. Very yeah, much so. Really like small, like fringy shows. Mm. Yeah, nothing anyone knows. No. no. Um, moving on from that ridiculousness. <laughs> uh, you said you'd listen to an episode of the podcast, but I will ask you anyway if you would be willing to take part in our liar liar. I'm very excited to attempt to. <laughs> yeah. I, I attempt highly to, anticipate me getting so wrapped up in chatting absolute nonsense that I fully forget. <laughs> I've got a plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's coming in with a plan. I've got I a like plan. That. I've been thinking about it. Okay. Tactics. Is it going to work? Don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, and if you're listening to this episode as your first foray into Fit 2, then uh, simply that means that we're asking Nick to lie at some point during this episode yes. to us, and we will try and guess what it is at the end. Uh, Bobby and I keep a tally. Yeah. What's uh, the score? It is 7-5 to you. Yeah. I just needed you to say it out loud for me. Thank Thanks. you. It physically hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> Bear in mind, this is episode 83. <laughs> it's going so well. And the, the, the score is not five, seven. so well in your favour <laughs> no. at this point. No, it doesn't. It, it, I feel like a, we've been stuck on seven five for forever. Months. <laughs> forever. Um, uh, yeah, I'm still enjoying it. So even though I'm losing, you know, that's a. I'm not defeated no. yet. Although we should end it well, first to ten, and then we'll like do a season two or something. So you get a little trophy. What, a trophy? Okay, I'm on board with the trophy. I love a trophy. Just throwing money away. (laughs) (laughs) They're cheap now. You can buy them on eBay. Second hand. A bowling trophy. Yeah, just get somebody's old trophy. Uh, I want to get one with like a little fish on the top. Oh, yes. Old school American fishing trophies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get fishing trophies. I'm kind of here for that. Yeah. I feel like we can get trophies on Facebook Marketplace. We can definitely buy one. Why is that all I want to do now? <laughs> the just... podcast is over. Everyone's yeah. busy. Hunting trophies. We'll find some trophies. Yeah. On, on that note, have you ever won any trophies, Nick? Um, <laughs> what a strange question. <laughs> We're in. I don't think. I don't think I have. It's... I don't think I have. Lots of lots of placing reasonably close to the top, but no, I don't. I suppose as t- team sports, I've won trophies, but never as an individual. Oh, oh what nice. team sport? Um. So secondary school, hilarious, given that I'm now a five for eight man who's not capable of doing this sport, but I was, I played on the basketball team for a really long time. I, I grew to this height early doors <laughs> and then my body went, no, this is fine. Yeah. We're, we're, we're done here. This is good. We've maxed out. Yeah, literally. So I was, I was one of the tallest till I was about 12, 13, and then everybody else kept growing and I stopped. Um, so (laughs) it was my first year at secondary school, um, and we won the title for the whole county. Um, I was second top scorer on the team, which to look at me now, you would not expect, um, skills. Yeah. I just, so, I mean, team sports was, was a huge part of my life. Um, I made so many of my life decisions based on where was, I mean, I went to the secondary school I went to because they built a new basketball court the year before and I wanted to go there. It was round the corner. My, I love that. Everyone was like, oh, where are you going to go? My mum wanted me to go to these like places with good education records. And I was like, no, they have a nice AstroTurf and a new basketball court. I will go <laughs> there. Thank you. That's the end of it. That's oh, where I'm going. AstroTurf, man. How painful is AstroTurf to fall over on? Like, I swear, that's just horrible. That's like a, a, a that's burnt into my memory of being yeah. at school is like sliding on AstroTurf and just grazing the hell out of my forearms. <laughs> don't know why I was doing. Why were you Don't know why I was going forearm first. I'm just not going to question it. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> sport was I playing? Nick, have you got this vicious idea of Bobby that he's like this brutal sliding in tackler, but in basketball? And yeah, fa- I don't know why he's playing basketball first. on AstroTurf. Basketball but. on AstroTurf. Forearm is down, yeah, face first. <laughs> straight on through. Sliding. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Imagine that. The, the only sport I ever played. Arm hair. Yeah. Should have burnt all off. 
but, but still very impressive. Thanks. Um, so you would like other team sports too. You were playing basketball from a super young age, but what yeah. else? Obviously AstroTurf. Basketball, mentioned. football. Um, I played one match of cricket. Um, <laughs> I was not allowed on the team after that. I bowled one over. I took three wickets and bowled three wides. And they were like, no, we don't like this. It's too inconsistent. We don't know what's happening. You can't play anymore. I was like, okay, cool. It's too inconsistent. They were like, we're not for this. Um, I feel like I've only just started. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is the just, this is, I'm getting the hang of this. No. Okay, cool. No, we're done with this. Three well, wickets. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. I thought it was a pretty good yeah. vibe, but no, it wasn't to be gone for. Um, yeah, basically anything I can get my hands on. I, I ran in the athletics team and I did triple jump as well as part of that. Um, uh, yeah. One match of rugby. That was not for me. <laughs> Large people running at me. They were like, oh my God, you're fast. You should play on the rugby team. I was like, that sounds fun. It was not fun in any way. <laughs> I was like, you take this ball. I'm going to be over there as far away from these large people as humanly possible. It was not for me. Just instantly passing and sprinting. <laughs> that was what I did. Did, did you yeah. find in rugby that you, uh, in school rugby, you'd pass the ball and somebody'd still tackle you? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Horrendous, isn't the it? The passing Scorious. was basically irrelevant. The ball was basically irrelevant. It was like, how close can I get to that person I don't like and how hard can I hit them? Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. That's the end of it. And the ball was just your excuse. Yeah. It was nearby-ish. <sighs> yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> that I, I played on the wing or fullback just for that reason that I was just running away yeah. from people most of the time. <laughs> Throughout my rugby career at school, they kept moving me further and further away from the ball. I, start, I started <laughs> off at hooker, and then, <laughs> then went prop, then went into the backs, and then ended up on the wing <laughs> and they were like and now you're cut Thanks. and then i was a spectator thanks for playing buddy. <laughs> um, so we should say how did the story of your life begin i skipped that bit so where did you grow up yeah so um i was born in watford i've lived there my whole life i'm still living there now for several more weeks date unknown we're moving house but who knows when in that whole debacle of life um, <laughs> we, we moved all of our stuff into storage two days ago oh god note to self don't try and carry a fridge on your own it's not a very good idea on your own um what yeah so we tried to get it out of the flat my friend who was supposed to be coming to help me move mm. got covid ah. so he was unavailable um <laughs> and so i tried to move uh, the fridge on my own. It was very unsuccessful. I called several friends, one of whom happened to be free. Two people is still not the right number to no. move a fridge. Um, I had one of those little trolleys with like three wheels on that goes down the stairs. And I just presumed that I put the fridge on the trolley, I wheeled the trolley, and then that's the end of it. Job done. <laughs> Forgetting that the fridge weighs a lot, and I do not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it ended up with... My fiance trying to guide us down at the front of the fridge. Don't Risky. know why. If it fell, she yeah. would have been crushed. That's pure danger. Useless. Yeah. And me and my friend Sam crouched backs to the fridge, backing our way down a staircase because <laughs> we live on the first floor with this fridge entirely on us. It was... <laughs> Yeah, choices were made, not all of them strong ones. No, that's, fair. Um, that's, fair. that's fair. If you're looking for a great workout, highly recommend moving a fridge. Um, and people say they don't have the equipment at home. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah, right, it's right there in front of you. Head to your kitchen, start lifting. You're going to have a lovely time. Um, oh my God. When I moved into my flat, it was... Uh, I bought this, you know, really tall fridge because it's limited space. Yeah. And obviously I paid for, for them to install it. And they arrived and I live on the third floor and there's no lift. And uh, oh, they loved you. Oh, they turned up and they were like, "What floor do you live on, right?" And I was like, "The third one." They were like, "Oh," and they didn't have a, a trolley thing, yeah. but it what? was in it was in a cardboard box and it had those like looped bits of plastic around yeah. it. And they were like, "Right," and they shifted this thing up three floors. They were three massive blokes, and it took them about twenty minutes still because they physically had to lift it. Then finally got this fridge in, right? And uh, I'd paid fridge. I'd paid to, no, no, <laughs> but I'd paid to have the door in attached the other way around to yeah. to what's standard. Mm. Anyway, I get there and they're like, "Yeah, we don't know how to do that." And I was like, "Okay." Oh, I was like, "Oh." But it's on my order thing here. And they're like, yeah, I'll have to send someone else out for that. I was like, All right. So two days later, you can't really open the fridge where it was because there was no space. It would, the wall stopped it from opening. Yeah, so it was unusable. Beautiful. This guy comes around to change the door around. He's like, oh, never seen this model before. I was like, okay, interesting. He pulls this fridge down and then he, he um, I leave him to it in the kitchen. Then I hear this like massive bang and I'm like, what the hell's happened? And then I try and go to my kitchen and he's holding the door, stopping me from going into the kitchen. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is, 
what the hell is happening? He owns he's the like, kitchen now. Yeah, he was like, it, it's, it's fine, <laughs> everything's fine. In. And I was like, if everything's fine, open the door. <laughs> Let me in. And uh, he was like, suddenly I hear him like shifting this fridge up and I go up and I'm like, I got eventually get in. And I'm like, you've broken the door. <laughs> You've broken the door on my fridge. And he was like, no, I haven't broken it. I was like, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> you can clearly see it's broken. So I had to get this company to come and pick up the fridge they'd carried up three flights of stairs and deliver another and one. And one. the same blokes had to come and pick up oh three flights God. of stairs again. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But it is your company's fault. <laughs> you fantastic. made a mistake and I'm sorry that you have to fix it. But yeah. also, thank you. But also, Give me my fridge. <laughs> I'm hungry. So you loved all these, yeah, fridge workouts aside. Fridge workouts aside, yeah. Watford, born and bred, still live there. Um, yeah. And then you went from loving lots of sports to suddenly loving performing somehow. How did that transition happen? They were simultaneous for a long time. Um, I did Amdram since I was a kid. Um, I... I actually love this. I hated it when I started doing it. I really, I disliked it. I started doing it at eight. I'd like done school plays and stuff. Like that's how I start. My mum's friend came to see it and was like, oh, he's quite good. You should sign him up to this local Andram. The wait list is really long. I was like, oh, child, no idea of this, obviously. So I got there at eight, did a couple of weeks, went to my mum was like, I don't like this. I want to quit. She was like, okay, cool. You can quit. That's absolutely fine. But you have to go and tell them that you want to leave. Oh, that's awful. Um, and at eight, Brutal. she's like, okay, totally fine. Your decision, you're telling them. Mm. I was so scared of the woman who ran the place. Her name's Moya, shout out. Um, <laughs> that I Moya. stayed for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and had I not been terrified of her, I don't know what I would be doing now. Um, that Probably was playing basketball. <laughs> Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so would I. Options. <laughs> Options. That's the additional. You paid for extras to the podcast. I'd like to see videos of me attempting to play basketball. <laughs> Drop Stefan a message. He'll send you my PayPal. Yeah, we've got a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we've got Patreon. <laughs> we've upgraded. Additional features. Subscriber only. <laughs> we don't. We provide don't. that. Um, but <laughs> just yeah. in case anyone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Nick throwing some hoops. Let's <laughs> see him shoot. <laughs> so you went from that Amdram Society. Everyone, yeah. we get that a lot, right? It's a story that comes up loads. So actually, so many professional performers have this uh, Amdram background. Like, wh what was that like? Were you just doing tons of different shows? or? Yeah. I. It was a lot of fun. I was, I mean, in fairness, I was a horrible kid from ages eight to 11, <laughs> like egotistical maniac. I turned up and was good. I didn't really know that I was good until I started doing it, but I could sing really, really well. I could act well. Like then my voice broke and things got worse. But at that time, <laughs> things are great. And I, I literally, I got there, they gave me one of the lead parts. They were doing, uh, what's the, with Tiny Tim? Uh, Scrooge. Oh, Scrooge yeah. yeah, so they were doing that Chris and they gave Carol. me Tiny Tim and that was my first thing. And I was like, oh, this is easy. You just turn up and they give you parts. This is great. Um, <laughs> just like the industry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's perfect like that. <laughs> and I, oh, I was a nightmare, absolute nightmare. My, one of my best friends now, he, I used to pick on him ages eight to 11. He was the guy before I got there who used to oh. get the parts. <sighs> and then I rocked up, started stealing all of his parts. He wasn't best pleased about it. And mm. I was an egotistical maniac until I got to about 12 and was like, this is awful. Why am I doing this to other people? <laughs> this is dreadful. And I think, I mean, I, in essence, it came down to I was having a, a bit of a difficult time at school getting picked on and I was taking that out on someone else because Ooh. that was the environment in which I was top dog. And I was like, okay, this is, this is my space. I'm good here. Um, and so once I stopped being an egotistical maniac, it became a lot more fun. Um, yeah, we're doing different shows all the time. Um, my like closest friend group now is still guys who I know from doing Amgen when I was a kid. Um, I met up with them for my birthday about a week ago, going for drinks and stuff. And it's like, we they're, they're still in my close. I never had really close school friends. Mm. Um, I kind of flitted between social things because I was good at sport, but I was also smart and I was creative and doing all these different things. And so my friendship groups at school were quite scattered and none of them were friends with each other. And so hanging out with them outside of school wasn't really an option because the cool kids wanted to hang out with the other cool kids and the kids who liked maths wanted to hang out with the other kids who liked maths. And I was like, well, I like this and I like this and that's not really an option. <laughs> I'm going to go see these drama people and just kind of hang out and do that stuff instead. And then I didn't really know it was an option to do as a job. I just thought it was something that we kind of did for fun and to have a laugh. And then I got to like 
2015 and I auditioned for National Youth Theatre and National Youth Music Theatre and went and did some shows with both of that. And we did Fiddler on the Roof, the music theatre, which was amazing. Like the cast that did that, now looking at the people who were in that show and the things they've gone on to do, it's crazy. Like the, the, the fact that they seem to gather all these amazing people yeah. in one space, people who've gone on to have way better careers than I did. It's like Jamie Moscato being one who's like now being the lead in Moulin Rouge, being amazing. We did Dogfight together. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, such a lovely guy. And like all these incredible people. Um, and that was the first like inkling, I think, for me that I was like, oh, people like do this professionally. Like they go and this is their job. Okay, well, let's kind of see what happened. Dropped out of, instead of doing A-levels, I went and did a BTEC in musical theater, um, which was awesome. Had a load of fun, did very little work, <laughs> <laughs> got to drama school and received a very rude awakening. <laughs> Where did you go? Uh, I went to GSA, um, Guildford School of Acting. Again, loved my time there. Friends for life. Some questionable moments, some not some. <laughs> I think we can, anyone who's been to drama school can look back at that time and go, okay, part of that was amazing. And part of that, why, why, why did I spend a full term studying a magpie and learning to walk and move like that? I don't know. It was something that happened. Why did we wander the streets of Guildford pretending to be our four-year-old selves, exploring things and wandering into traffic? Don't know. Did it happen? Yes. Was it questionable? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I love this stuff about this. Because knowing those exercises, right, like, I'm like, okay, well, I know what the purpose of that is. but And I, I had the same experience. That some of it, when it was explained how I could apply that to my craft yeah. afterwards that could be helpful. But when you're just sort of arbitrarily spending time really focusing on doing this thing really well, but you have no context as to why, no. you leave with this impression, right? Where you go, why the hell did I spend eight weeks doing that thing? And it was fun, but, yeah. but I don't understand how I can possibly, when I'm auditioning for Wicked, or when I'm in Wicked, or when I'm playing Bach, or whatever it might be, you're like, how did that pretend to be a four-year-old help me? Yeah. And if you don't know, then there's been a failure somewhere. Yeah. And you're like, that's unhelpful. Sorry, that's not a criticism of GSA. That's a criticism of all processes <laughs> in that way. I just love the idea of you wandering around Guildford. As oh a yeah, four year old. Just like, <laughs> just imagining the public and Guildford is, being like, "What is going on? <laughs> what are these people doing?" This is back when, as well, like now they're they're linked with the university mm. and they're in a nice, safe university building. But at the time, it was four different buildings spread across the town of Guildford, and the one we were in was right next to the canal, several pubs, big main road, oh, yeah. and there's just us like 20 of us just wandering around like absolute lunatics. And you don't know how to cross the road because you fall? No idea. <laughs> Might fall in the river. You're going for a paddle? Yeah. Anyone gone for like a casual lunch that day would have been so confused. Just look out the pub window. Okay, there's a lot of teenagers in black wandering around just touching stuff and picking up leaves and like it was weird it was very those drama school kids are simple aren't they <laughs> I, we did our animal studies assessment like you mentioned yeah. about the magpie in the garden bit of the Hampstead Theatre which is public and open so you've got uh, all of these people essentially running around pretending to be animals making weird sounds and doing yeah. weird shit while people are eating their lunch <laughs> like from work just staring at you like what is happening and why is that person in the fountain pretending to be a crocodile that's the real question. Do you know what all that's useful for? It's promo jobs. Yeah. Yes. Paying more bills in between the acting jobs, which is, let's be honest, what we do 99% of the time. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, do you want to get in this giant costume and wander around? In fairness, I've only done that once and it was for children in need. And I was in the giant Pudsy Bear nice. costume when I was working at Greg's. Hey, yes. Oh yeah, they did a Greg's partnership with oh, them, didn't yeah, they? He had a yeah, bandana. Yeah, and whoever drew the short straw in the shop that day had to go out and wear the Pudsy <laughs> outfit and shake the bucket outside the shop. You say short straw. Yeah. Oh, that's my friend. Winning. It was a short straw. <laughs> that costume, I don't know if they ever cleaned it. It smelled uh, very bad. And we're talking middle of summer. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, on the high streets of Guildford in this giant costume. <laughs> I did it once and I was like, if you make me do that again, I will leave. I, don't, I need this job pretty bad. I got bills to pay, but I don't think I need them this badly. I, I, I will find something else to do. I'm okay. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. So you, you know, those out of work jobs. Are yeah. Fine, but at some point you landed that first big gig. Yeah. What was the first one? Dogfight was the first one for me. It took me 
I feel like everyone's journey after training is different. Mm. And I've got friends who booked the jobs as soon as they left and were amazing. I've got friends who still to this day, I don't really know how they didn't book a job and they went on to do other careers and train and do other things. Yeah. And for me, it took two and a half years of working for free and favors for friends and pitching in and doing bits and bobs. I got paid twice to perform in those two years. I did Thursford, like the big Christmas show down in Norfolk. Nice. Yeah. Um, and that was the only thing I got paid to do for two and a half years. That was anything to do with what I trained for. And it was a big shock to the system, actually, because I think you go from, we all get into this because we love performing. We love mm. being on stage. We love doing shows. And then you go and you train and you're like, okay, this is amazing. Like we're, we're doing this every day, like however many hours a week, like the slog of it all, but it's awesome. And then you leave and you don't perform anymore. You're not in shows. You don't get to do you don't get that buzz that we all get and that it it fades pretty quickly i think that like <laughs> that joy that you cling on to for mm. a long time and and i was super close to quitting the industry i was working in a hotel i was a cocktail bartender for like five years um i was working in a hotel and doing events bartending at the same time and i was having an amazing time doing it i was really enjoying myself i was making good money i had good friends mm. the the hours were really sociable like could really enjoy myself and I sat down and had a conversation with my mum and I was like, look, I'm going to give it till the end of the year. And if it doesn't happen by the end of the year, I think it's time to cut my losses, move on, get myself a proper job. I was talking about how I would get to owning my own bar and running my own place. And maybe it would be someone with live music and I could kind of incorporate the things I'd done. Uh, and then Dogfight came along and it was a game changer. Uh, even the process to get the job was weird. I went in and I auditioned and it all went well. And then the finals, I wasn't around. I was bartending for the tech festival in Cannes. Um, so I was on the beach in France making cocktails <laughs> while they were having the finals for the show. And I was like, I feel like this is something I'm really, really right for. And I just, I physically can't be there. I've got to pay my bills and I can't afford to turn down a week of work yeah. for an audition that I might get. I might not get, I don't know. And luckily for me, they didn't find anyone. And I got a call on the last day in France. And frankly, I was several beers in. Um, <laughs> and they were like, look, when you get back from France, do you want to come in and audition again? We haven't found anyone for the part that you would in for. And we'd really love to see you. And I was like, yeah, absolutely sure. So it was like two days after I got back from France. And I actually passed Jamie in the like the foyer bar bit at Southwark Playhouse because it did the auditions in the theater where the show eventually was. And I passed him there. He'd obviously been in chatting with the director or whatever. And we had a quick hello because I hadn't seen him in, in years since, since we were 16, 17. And I didn't know at that point that he already knew that they were going to give me the job. So they'd only called two people in that day. It was me and one other guy. They'd already decided basically that they, they wanted me for the part. They just wanted me to come in and read and make sure that they weren't crazy and giving it to someone <laughs> truly terrible. Yeah. Um, and he, he already knew. And I went in and it was a life-changing experience and and it's still to this day my favorite job i've ever done the best job i've ever done the most incredible process we had a director in matt ryan who let us play and let us make things and i think as you guys probably know for yourselves like when you get to do these shows that you dream about doing from when you're a kid it's a paint by numbers job it's mm -hmm. okay the guy yeah, before yeah. you stood there and then you moved to here and then it's here i mean if we talk about wicked the stage is literally numbered it's zero yeah. to 14 and if I took out my notepad and you got me on the stage, I could still walk my track from the show that was seven years ago because it will be exactly the same. Yeah. But that process was so creative and so fun. And he built the show around us. He let us play and make something. And if he liked it, he kept it in the show. And if he didn't like it, he pushed us gently in the direction of making something that was better. Yeah. And he, what if you tried this? What if you thought about it like this? What if you played with it in this way? Um, yeah, it, it was just the most phenomenal experience and kind of like reignited my love for being on stage and, and it opened doors. The the casting people from Book of Mormon came and saw the show and my agent harassed them with emails for three and a half weeks <laughs> until they agreed to give me an audition and then went and auditioned and actually tanked the dance audition. It was really bad and they, they called my agent. They were like, look, he wasn't great, but we like him and we'd like to see him again. So the dance call he is next week. Tell him to practice. He knows the routine that's going to happen. <laughs> like, you know, they gave me a chance. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's kind of the story of my career. Really, is that it, it was people taking a chance on me when I wasn't ready to take a chance on myself. Like they put faith in me that I didn't at that point have in myself. I, I'd reached a point where I was like, I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. 
you know, this industry is full of incredible people. Like the numbers of people that graduate into this industry every year is just mind boggling the numbers and so talented. We all go from being this big fish in a little pond from being back home and doing Amjam and doing theater and this stuff to being surrounded by these incredible people. And then you get out of the into industry and you're like, cool. I don't know whether this is whether I actually have what it takes because that love like just isn't enough by that point. It's being in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right show and like finding that little click switch that it all happens. Like some of us get it and some of us don't. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the dogfight was that for me. Yeah. What would you say to someone, or I guess maybe this is more, how did you deal with that? Uh, in that situation, say there's someone there right now going, I haven't had anything for two and a half years and maybe maybe i'm not right for this industry and that fear but who had maybe the same skill set as you let's assume that they're in that that position like it, i find it so tricky to know what advice you're supposed to say because you can't yeah. tell somebody to continue or to or yeah. to not continue with their their drive so how do you manage that or how does that I, work in your head i think the best piece of advice that anyone ever gave me was if you can see yourself doing anything else go and do that if you have a talent or a skill or a love, or you find something that you really enjoy and you're passionate about it, go and do it. Like this industry is brutal at times. It's incredible. The highs are so high and the lows are so low. Like it's the best and the worst all rolled into this one big ball. And I think it's the second that you find something else, you think, actually, I could do that. Go and do it. The industry isn't going anywhere. You don't have to put your whole life on hold in order to make this work. I think at that point, I thought it was all or nothing. I was like, mm. if I'm not mm. performing, I, I judge my self-worth on whether I was working. I was like, I, I only valued myself as a person based on, did I do well in that audition? Did they like me? Did they call me back? Did I make the final? Did I book the job? Like that, my, my whole identity for 10 years was based on, did I go in that audition room? Did I do well? Was it enough? Like was not even like for myself, like I can look at auditions for jobs I didn't book and go, yeah, I did a brilliant job on the day, but like I wasn't right. And like, I've gone and seen shows that I went and didn't book and gone, I totally get why I didn't get that job. Like he's amazing and did something completely different to what I wanted. Like I remember early doors, Loserville, and I made the finals and it was down between me and Dan Buckley. And we're completely different performers. He's this amazing ball of energy comedy. And I'm this really dry, sarcastic person when it comes to like comedy stuff on stage. And they just didn't know what direction they were going to go in. And I only know it was down to two of us because we were both with the same agent at the time. Mm. And they were like, we're just making a decision about where we want to go. And he was phenomenal in that show. He was unbelievable. And I was like, I don't know if I would have been that good, actually. And I can look back now and say that. But at the time, it was like, a hammer blow that I was like, oh, it was so close, like so near to it. So I think the biggest thing to anyone is just if you really love it and you're getting near, that's already an achievement in itself. Find something else that keeps you going alongside everything else. And when it gets too much, this industry isn't the only way to be creative. It isn't the only way to perform. It isn't the only way to like satisfy that need. And so I think hold on for as long as you feel like physically you can find the other things that keep you going. And when it gets too much, take a step back. The industry doesn't go anywhere. Mm. I think that's also like an illusion as well. We kind of kid ourselves that if you take a break, that when you step away, you can't come back. Mm. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm gone for six months. That's it. I'm done. I'm retired. I'm finished forever. Like when I left drama school, they were like, don't go on a cruise ship. If you go on a cruise ship, you're done. Like you'll never come back and work on land. It couldn't have been more ridiculous. Yes, because yeah. the evidence supports that. Literally. And I was like, never work on that. Now I, now I look back and I'm like, wait, you told me to not go and do this amazing performing job where mm. I could travel the world, get a suntan and get paid to see incredible places and instead work behind a bar because there was this idea that this work is better than this other work. Yeah. Whereas, and I think that still exists to an extent and especially like, the idea that the West End is this like pinnacle of incredible, perfect world. If I get there, everything will be brilliant. It's all right. Yeah. Like mm. it was this dream that I had since I was a kid. But when I got there, it was in the first time was incredible. Like the first time you step onto a West End stage and you get that you're in that huge space. I will never forget that feeling. But then it becomes a job. Mm. Then you have to do that same thing every night for a year, eight times a week. <laughs> 
And it's hard, right? Yeah. Eight months in, you're like, I'm still doing this. <laughs> I'm having the same conversations, looking in the same places, doing the same changes, doing the same like fun improvisations. No, I'm not. I'm a professional, I swear. Um, <laughs> every single night. And it's finding ways to like keep that alive. And that in itself is a skill and mm. not one that I'm very good at. Like some people are phenomenal at sitting in jobs for a long time and finding the joy. Like I worked with people who had done those big shows for a really long period of time and were still loving it. Three, four, five, six years into a contract who were still really enjoying being there every night and being on stage and being part of this world. And some people are born for that and some people aren't. And I, I'm a very sporadic person in my regular life. I'm renowned for starting things and not finishing them. Um, I wrote a full album. I played three gigs and then I quit. I, <laughs> the amount of projects that I start and then go, cool. I start, I wrote the first 20 pages of a film. I just, I was like, I'm going to write a movie. I don't know if I can because nobody has ever seen it. Um, it may be tapped, probably terrible. Um, <laughs> But like I have these ideas that I want to do and I go and start them and then I find something else. I'm the same with TV shows. I start TV shows and I don't finish. I never finish Breaking Bad. I never finish Game of Thrones. Oh, you're killing me. I, I start- Although Game of Thrones, I've you, never could finished probably, any I, you could I, probably avoid that. I, I I'm walking dead, lost. I start things. You didn't finish Lost. Oh, you got to finish Lost. Come on. I well, just, actually, well, I mean, the ending. Yeah. Just skip the last episode, but <laughs> get, uh, get the to ending, the one before. Yeah, get yeah. The, yeah, get close. But yeah, I, I'm like renowned for starting things and not finishing them. And I, I found that with performing as well. It's like I get six, eight months into a contract and go, I'm still doing this. Yeah. And I don't know how much longer I can do this <laughs> for. How do you find that physically with things like you mentioned the dance called to Mormon? Like Mormon yeah. is a fairly, you know, there's a lot of dance in it. Yeah. Oh, and things like Wicked as well. It's not exactly light uh, in that sense, depending on which tracks you're... you're... Mine was very light. It was the best. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, you, you could have grabbed somebody from the street and they probably could have done my track. <laughs> <laughs> if they're asking, then... <laughs> oh, it's very challenging and skilled and you hire trained performers to do this role and not random strangers from Victoria. Thank you. Um, how do you manage the physical aspect of it when you're in that thing did you or did you just sort of see what happened at the beginning no i had no clue what i was doing i was 23 i thought i was bulletproof and i just presumed i could rock up do the show go to the pub have a couple of pints go home sleep till one wake up do the show again and that was that mm. was a big mistake especially on mormon you're right it's brutal it's physical and it's one of those shows that like I don't even realize how physical it is until you do it. Like I, I could not do it now. You could pay me any amount of money you want and I would get through one show and then probably not be able to walk again for the rest of my life. Like it was, it was killer. And I didn't handle myself well and I injured myself really badly on that show. I tore my patella tendon in my knee. Um, thankfully it wasn't a full tear. It was just a partial tear. Mm. But I, there's a, like a floor work section in Spooky Mormon Hell Dream the opening of Act 2 and I thought I bruised my knee. And I was like, oh, it's a bruise. I'm wearing knee pads. It will heal. I'll be fine. Turns out it was tendonitis. And I kept dancing on it and I kept bashing it and I kept hammering away at it until one day I hobbled off the stage. I couldn't put any weight on my leg and 38 physio sessions, steroid injections and years later, and I'm still not the same. Like I got, I went back to the show too soon. They said, take three months off. And I went, mm, it's fine. And I went back after six weeks and I did it again. Oh. Oh. Um, and put myself back to square one Ugh. and, and it was brutal. And it was a, it was a big life lesson for me about taking care of myself, mm. about managing my expectations of what my body can do about knowing that if you're going to be doing something really physical and really demanding, you have to treat your body with the care that that deserves. And that if you go out on the piss the night before until three in the morning, and then you turn up and you do a show, you're not going to be in the shape that you would be if you went home and you had a good night's sleep and you got up and you got yourself going and warmed up properly and, you know, took care of yourself in the right way. And I think that's something I took with me onto future jobs. Um, when I was doing Wicked, I used to go rock climbing a couple of times a week um, and I would play uh, football on the weekends and I was going to the gym and taking care of myself when I was in town on tour, not so much, like the international life. Eating, a, I don't think I've ever eaten so many carbs in my entire life. It, they, they say international tour. It was the Asian tour. We we played some incredible venues. Mm. Um, 
but by the time we got to China and I was like, I, I just need food that I know and I'm used to. And I lived on club sandwiches for like three months. <laughs> I was like, it's I, an elite sandwich. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's this and that's it. And I put on some pounds and <laughs> I approached a personal trainer friend of mine when I got back and I put a plan together and I shifted the weight and I'm having to do the same thing again this year because the pounds <laughs> have returned. Actually started doing a plan with Stefan here and then got very ill and couldn't finish doing the plan. But the, he doesn't know this, but it's kicking off again. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this. It's happening because I, I, it's catching yourself in the mirror and going, ah, oh, this is my body has changed, and it catches up on you real quick. Mm. It's fast, isn't it? I, I find yeah. that like if I if I take my foot off the gas a little bit for about three months, then I go, oh, oh, hold on, that's yeah. that's probably not where I want to want to be and, yeah. and then i have to put it back on and if if life takes over for a little bit longer than that then my body's like ha ha yeah, <laughs> it, it catches up on you yeah, real quick it does. um how do you manage that now then uh, like because you're ridiculously busy yeah, right like you that. have this as bobby mentioned this hugely successful photography business doing headshots and and um what's the word for portfolio shots yep. for, for um, performers primarily right yeah and uh, that takes up i know we've tried to get you in a lot and your schedule is <laughs> insane um and you work all these crazy hours that the the physical demands of photography people don't think it's that that tough but actually yeah. like, you end if up you, keeping if, your body in crazy positions right yeah if you pick up a big old dslr camera and you whack a heavy lens on it and then you're contorting your body into these weird shapes mm. in order to get the best shots for people especially when it comes to portfolio stuff like headshots it's 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 a workout, but it's not as bad. But if you're if you're thinking about full lengths and and body shots and dance portraits and stuff, and I spend a lot of my time on the ground, crouching in weird <laughs> positions on odd angles, and like holding a camera above mm. my head in weird space, and that's where the weights come back on. To be honest, like I I suddenly had a realization. I was like, oh, like my putting a t shirt on in the morning and going, this does not fit. I am not a medium anymore. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and turning to my missus and being like what's happened and she was like well you're you're still treating your body like you're doing eight shows a week mm. you're eating mm. like you're performing all the time and i go to work i shoot i get home i sit at my desk i edit i build galleries i do all the admin stuff i sleep very little i don't like being honest like the the taking care of myself side of things since the pandemic is basically non-existent I still play five aside on a Thursday night and wore my Apple watch a couple of weeks back to, to kind of see what was going on there. And that heart rate was scary. Um, I wasn't danger. Yeah. I, it reached numbers. That I was like, Oh, I don't know. You didn't know that you could do that. I, that, that might explode out of my chest sometime soon. That, I that's should, new. Yeah. And I was like, I should probably start taking care of that. I think like heart problems run in my family with my dad and my granddad and stuff. So it's something I'm, I'm conscious of. I kind of, when I was younger, just presumed that it would never happen to me. I was like, I because I had one of the, I had a super fast metabolism until I was like 27, 28, and I could eat whatever I want and do whatever I want, and I didn't put on weight. I didn't put on muscle either. I was I was a pretty scrawny kid, but I didn't get any bigger. And then times change and age catches up with you, and suddenly that wasn't so true anymore. And it turns out you can't eat burgers and Nando's all week <laughs> and still feel like you're gonna be the same size all the time. So yeah, I think this last six months have been a big wake up call for me in terms of like I'm changing my schedule a little bit this year so that I'm making sure I'm actually taking days off. Like I ran a seven days a week business last year in that I still gig and perform on the weekend. So I would be traveling to faraway towns and then driving back overnight after the show getting back at two three in the morning sleeping three four hours and then getting up at seven eight and then going to the studio and shooting a full day not giving myself any breaks not eating not taking care of myself i mean yesterday's prime example i got to the studio shot seven hours straight through no breaks got home and went why do i feel awful and realized <laughs> that i'd eaten a cereal bar and drunk half a bottle of water all day. And surprisingly, that's not the way to function. Mm. And so, yeah, I think this, this last few months has been a big like shake up for me and kind of putting things in place to go, okay, things have got to change. You know, I'm not as young as I used to be. My body doesn't bounce back the way that it used to <laughs> anymore. And so it's making a conscious choice now to kind of like take care of myself and, and put things in place to kind of make sure that I'm still in decent shape when I'm in, in my 40s, 50s, 60s. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it feels like a, a common thing, right? I, I felt the same as you just described when I was like 20 something, early 20s. I was like, I'm immortal. <laughs> like, <laughs> just physically, you know, yeah. you, you, obje- you know you're going to die, yeah. but you're like, my body's, <laughs> if I injure myself, I can recover. Yeah. Like, and it'll recover fast and I'll be fine. And then you realize when you get to a tiny bit older that all of those injuries that you had, even at that age, sort of return to haunt you. They're like, yeah. hey, I was never really fixed. I was just pretending. I mean, I still can't kneel down on solid floors. If I kneel on solid, I, I feel the pain straight away in that knee. Like it's yeah, never yeah. going to shift. And I think the shows take a toll over the time as well. I think the reason they say it's a young person's game, this performing stuff is because your body starts to, if you don't take care of yourself, like I didn't really come back to hit, you know, like mm. I had problems with my ankles and my hips and my shoulder. And over time you go, oh, that's gotten worse. And now suddenly, oh, I, I've gone back to gym and I can't get that dumbbell above my head in the same way because my rotator cuff is screwed from X, Y, Z job. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so it's it's that slow buildup of things that if you don't deal with at the time, then you go, no, oh, that's, that's really going to bite me down the line. It definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> it's constantly biting me. But this is the thing, like I, I, I obviously... We we give workshops in drama schools and stuff to uh, to try and teach people a lot of this stuff. Obviously, I also teach a, a healthy performer course about this to students to go, look, these are the injury risks. And I, I feel like I'm constantly like throwing water at a stone where they're like, cool, don't care. Yep. And you're like, no, yeah. no, no, no. If you just take care of yourself now, you'll never end up in this horrific position that we're talking about yeah, when yeah, your yeah. body's like, you fucked up. Yeah. Like, also we're so eager to please when we're younger like that anytime they go oh can you can you just do this and yeah. you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'll do that L- no thought whatsoever to how that's right. going to affect you after eight shows a week for a year and then you get to the end you're like why yeah why did i do that but that's the thing like when you're younger that is a thing but now i'm very much like no no no, no. i think i'm not doing that thanks <laughs> two, two examples of that in my my first panto i might have mentioned this on the podcast before we had a big fight scene um we haven't even touched on that actually we'll come to that in a sec uh and I, they they asked me to do like a cartwheel and pick up a sword in the middle of a cartwheel and i was like do you want do you want it as an aerial oh my god nice. and i was like sure so i did an aerial and like picked up a sword in in mid aerial and the the guy playing the villain uh who was an old pro came up to me and was like eight shows <laughs> uh, and, and i was like uh what do you mean he was like because we had eight shows in th- uh four uh, three days because yeah. it was six uh on, on the weekend and yeah. then like three uh two on the friday it was like a 13 show week or whatever and yeah. he was like eight shows in three days and i was like what do you mean it was like you'll regret that and sure <laughs> enough i was fine for about three weeks and then on that third one i was like I've fallen down. <laughs> I'm not getting back up. I've fallen down mid-show. Oh, and he literally no. went, I told you. <laughs> and the other was Joseph, right? It was you and me. Oh. They had this whole bit where we were on our knees and they didn't want us to wear knee pads because they would be visible under the, the things. And I was like, well, then I won't be on my knees. And, you know, 21-year-old <laughs> yeah. me would have been like, yeah, 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 no problem. Yeah. And I was. And obviously now I've ruined knees. Not <laughs> and, and then both of us, were, uh, you and me were like, no, 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 we'll, we'll be wearing knee pads yeah. or we'll have to change the choreography. Yeah, uh, I did a knee slide. I was like, I'm going to need I'll do one knee slide and that'll be it. Your legs were ruined. Oh, my, my feet, yeah. Oh, it's bloody blood, blood all over the stage. How did you get into the stage <laughs> combat stuff? So it's something they do at GSA in your first year. Um, I don't know if they still do it now. I think they do. Um, but they do it as like during one of your weeks off. So whether it's half term or Easter or one of those, you do like an intensive stage combat week and you learn uh, a routine that has a little bit of unarmed combat, a little bit of sword fighting and a little bit of knife fighting. And then on the Saturday, you all come in and you take an exam and you you pass or you fail and you, you it's like a degree you get like two 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 one first recommendation in that kind of thing Ooh. and i was awful to start with <laughs> real bad which i should probably not admit now having been trusted with the lives <laughs> of people um but i was really bad to start with I, I just about scraped through my exam um but i really enjoyed it like it was something i enjoyed putting my body through i was like i like that i'm i'm big on like challenging myself in terms of like competing against but be it myself or other people. I think Mm. that's why I love sports so much is that I'm so much more motivated if there's a challenge to it. If like, I feel like there's a competition element to it, I'm so much better at psyching myself up for it. 
and I I loved pushing my body in that way to do something. And also, like, who doesn't want to learn how to sword fight? Yeah. They were like, oh, do you want to come and play with swords? I was like, yes, yeah. that sounds Count me in. awesome. <laughs> and so in your second year, you can do another week, but it's voluntary. You don't have to do it. You can sign up to it or not sign up to it. Signed up and did it the second year, pushed myself a little bit harder, got better, went away to Cardiff and did the summer course that they run every year. Um, where you stay in a big castle in Cardiff. Again, don't know if this happens still now, but at the time you, you go and stay in this big castle um, and you spend the whole week learning five different weapons. Um, nice. And it was it was just unreal. It was so cool. I was like, as if I'm literally fighting with swords in the middle of this castle grounds. It's like some of the stuff they... they pool fighting was one of the ones you can do which i didn't do because i'm not a great swimmer but one of the fights was literally how to fight underwater like in a swimming oh. pool in a swimming pool in and out of the water with the fights <laughs> slow-mo punches like, <laughs> like, like, slow-mo like punch. how how you get it so that like when you're doing punches above the water that the contact happens with the water to create the sound mm. effects that you need and all that kind of stuff and like the deaths were how to safely drown someone so that you then get your body to float up to the top and then you have to stay there for a certain amount of time before you can break it. And this, like, it was like That's close cool. quarters fighting. So like one of them was like, it's you're in a corridor and the whole fight takes place in a corridor. So it's like bouncing off of walls and using angles and height and stuff to play. Double sword, sword and shield, axe fighting, all this stuff. And I just was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> you know, when we finished here, there's yeah. some tight corridors outside. I think we let's go. Show you some moves. Let's have a I've still got all of my stage combat stuff tucked away under my bed. I've still got my sword and staff and axes and fake plastic knives and all this stuff. And I just I loved I it. Let's go. It was, it was highly recommended to anyone who's looking for like a fun way to learn something new mm. and also like get your body going because it's so physically demanding. Yeah. Like try standing in a plie for half an hour and welcome to stage combat um, it was like one of the exercises they make you do at the beginning where you like you have to get into your sword fighting pose then a little bit deeper with the plie and then walk back and forward in across the room yeah, yeah. Chat, just like okay, get your yeah, body yeah. used to being in this new place advance literally advance. you're like you're my like, knees I'm I can't doing this <laughs> yeah at 21 yay at 20. oh yeah, yeah, yeah then yeah. fine now yeah. my knees would not cope very well um, I will be doing this for a fully upright Right position. Thank you. I will show you what to do. No, not how I'm doing it. Lower than that. Okay, great. Uh, and um, is there anything about health and wellness that you'd like to see get in the bin? I had a good old think about this one. For me, it's shouting the word protein all over packaging in giant letters, <laughs> presuming that that means it's good for you. Yeah. We wrote protein so it's awesome for you eat only this it says low carbs low fat giant letters and i'm like that doesn't mean anything mm. a friend of mine has just gone on like a massive weight loss journey and he's still dealing with his like relationship with food and we were doing a show together and uh, we were like oh we're gonna go out and grab some dinner do you want to come with us we're gonna go to nando so like you, there's some healthier options you can get all this kind of stuff he was like no no i've brought stuff with me i was like okay well, what have you brought with you and he was going to before a show literally eat two protein yogurts and a protein bar and i had to sit down and show him the the comparable protein and calories if you went and you ate proper food yeah and they're the same if not much better for you but we've got into this whole thing that if it doesn't scream, this is good for you in giant letters all over something, we just don't believe it. We don't believe that you can cook for yourself or go out and buy. You don't have to go to McDonald's and get fast food. Like if you mm. are out and about and you need to get something, there are options that you can go and get. And, you know, they're not as affordable as we would all like them to be. But there are choices that you can make, uh, whether it's meal prep at home and then bringing things, which is obviously like so much better for you when you're on that kind of journey. But you can make choices that are better for you. And just because it screams something in giant letters doesn't mean that is the answer to all of your problems. Too true. Love that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Whole foods all the way. Yeah. Well, Nick, have you managed to lie to us? I have. Oh, oh. okay, okay. Yeah, I'm excited. Right. Okay. Um, I'll let you guess first. Thank you, kind, because you're winning by a mile. Um, uh, I need the help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be anywhere near this. Uh, I'm going to think... I'm going to guess that the uh, cricket story was the lie. Just exactly the one that I was going to go for somehow. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. Now he's considering I, I his options. I didn't have a backup. That was the one. There was no secondary choice. Uh, 
Oh, oh. Okay, I'm gonna go with you. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna go with the uh, the story about the fridge. That's I'm gonna go with that. Even, okay. though, even though I think it's the cricket one. <laughs> <laughs> you are both wrong. Oh! <laughs> I'm so sorry, boys. The cricket one is the right neck of the woods. Right. Um, the lie was the basketball story. Oh, no. Oh, I, I did, thought that was legit. <laughs> I did play basketball when I was younger. Mm. I was on the team. We did win a championship, but I was on the bench. Ah, sneaky For lie. all of it. So I snuck it in there. Sneaky, sneaky ah. lie. I snuck it in there. Ah, we should have known. Yeah. I was convinced it was cricket. The whole no. way I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> smug. I was like, that's it. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, Nailed yeah, on early doors. Got that. No, it was, it was the, both the high point and the low point of my career. <laughs> right, it's time for a game of this or that. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan's favourite moment. So you're going to have 60 seconds on the clock. Yeah. Stefan's going to present you with some options. You've got to decide one or the other. This or that. I'll be ready. Three, two, one, go! Eggs or bacon? Bacon. White bread or brown bread? White bread. US office or friends? US office. Cardio or resistance training? Resistance training. McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. Singing or acting? Singing. Photography or performing? Photography. Yoga or Pilates? Oh, they're both evil. Yoga. <laughs> Family Guy or Love Island? Uh, Family Guy. Domino's Pizza or Papa John's? Domino's. Sport or dance? Sports. Alcohol or chocolate? Chocolate. Matching socks or mismatching socks? Mismatching socks. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Wicked or Les Mis? Les Mis. Game of Thrones or Glee? Oh, Ooh. I'm going to say Glee. Uh, book oh. or Kindle? Book. Clean shaven or beard? Clean shaven. Personal chef or personal stylist? Personal chef. Guitar or piano? Guitar. Sexy body or sexy mind? Mm, sexy mind. Uh, shower or bath? Shower. Dog fight or bum it's for boy? Dog fight. Dogs or babies? Dogs. Snakes or badgers? Snakes. Theme park or water park? <laughs> Theme park? Running or walking? Walking. Tea or coffee? Neither? Bobby or Stefan? I cannot choose. <laughs> hey, 55 seconds. Ooh, why did oh. I say snakes? <laughs> snakes you, is a rogue choice. You love snakes. I panicked. <laughs> the fear, I got full sway palms right now. Like the fear hit me. I was like, snakes or what's happening? I'm going to say snakes because I'm stuck. Snakes or badgers? Uh, Nick, I mean, thank badgers you are evil. But... So, so much for joining us and sharing your love of snakes. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we have a little shout out to do for Nick Corey Photography, don't we? Yeah. Um, uh, Nick is providing our listeners with an exclusive deal. Ooh. Yes. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but uh, you've sent us the code. It's Fit2Talk10. Is that right? That is the one. Absolutely. As always, that's Fit and 2 is the number Talk10. And that is a lovely exclusive deal for our listeners, for our photography. So if you're looking for new headshots or those portfolio pics, then check him out. What's your website, Nick? So they can um, it's just nickcoryphotography.com. Fantastic. We'll try and pop that in the, the show notes yes, as well so you we can will. find it and see your wonderful work and find him on Instagram to do the same thing. Yes, indeed. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, click those like and subscribe buttons and find us on Instagram at fit to underscore talk. As always, if you've got any questions you want answered, you know what to do. You're going to slip slide into those DMs and I'll show you my moustache. Oh, we haven't even mentioned it, so that's weird. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. If you like what you've heard, we've been fit to talk with our guest Nick Curry and me, Stefan. And me, Bobby. And if you didn't like it, we've been Joe Wicks. Peace out. Peace <laughs> out.